Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for another Pittsburgh Steelers postgame podcast, part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and our network of podcasts. The Steelers win their third and final preseason game, 19-9. to And what a unique game this was at Acrisure Stadium between two teams that, well, there's a lot of question marks surrounding those two teams, we'll put it that way. But we're going to dissect this every which way. And to do that, we'll bring in the three guys that always do that. Myself, Brian Davis. What's up, Brian? Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad that the preseason games are over. But as Mike Tomlin said, the preseason is not over for the Steelers. Good point. Dave Schofield. What's up, Dave? Not much. I was just happy to hear Mike Tomlin use the word skedaddlers. That was one that I enjoyed. That's new. That I had not heard him say that ever. And so uh, he has a way with words, that's for sure. But the Steelers, like I said, do win 19-9. to There are a lot of people um, that are really questioning what we just saw. Uh, it's a weird game, uh, to say the least. The Steelers' uh, offense does just enough. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, but let's just do knee-jerk reactions. An article we run on the website, which is already live on the site right now. If you're listening, uh, you can check it out. What was your knee-jerk reaction to the game, Brian? We'll start with you. I thought it was decent, but not dominant. And my big takeaway from the whole thing is what everybody is concerned about has not changed. Okay, that's it. That's fine. Dave, what about you? Knee-jerk reaction. Didn't get a lot answered. I mean, the biggest answer was probably that the the starting defense is pretty good. Other than that, there's still, I don't know that there was a lot of things that really jumped off the page as being being huge answers of stuff. That, I mean, it, not that we didn't figure stuff out, but there wasn't anything overly dominating to make you think that this that this performance really answered overall team questions going forward. I, I had one question answered for me, and that is that the Steelers defense, when healthy and all available, they're really they're they're gonna be a really yeah. good defense this year. We all had questions about the run defense when the starters were in there. I did not have any questions about the run defense. They gave up that third and 12 draw, I believe it was. And Mike Tomlin said how that was painful to watch. But still, other than that, I thought the, I thought the Steelers starting defense did answer a question for me. And that is, if they're going to win this year, it's going to have to be with defense. And they might just be good enough to get that job done. We will see. But let's start uh, as we break this down, as we always do. We always start on the offensive side of the ball. And I want to just ask you all first about the quarterbacks. Let's go through their numbers. Mitch Trubisky finishes 15 of 19 for 160 yards and 8.4 average. He did have a touchdown at the end of the first half, was sacked twice for 10 yards. Huge caveat on that one in the first drive where he gets registered for a sack when if he just threw the ball away, wouldn't have counted, doesn't matter. Rating of 119.3. Kenny Pickett, 10 of 14 for 90 yards, 6.4 average. No touchdowns, no interceptions, wasn't sacked for an 88.4 rating. Mason Rudolph came in in the fourth quarter. He only had, I think, two drives. Zero for three. That's it. That's one it drive. For, for, oh, I'm sorry, one drive. Even worse. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's talk about, well, let's get Sean's super chat up here before we get started. $5 from Sean. Thank you very much for the tip. Sean Manahan, he said, Mitch played well. Kenny played even better under pressure. All right. This is going to be the, this has been the talking point all preseason. It's basically Trubisky versus Pickett. Brian, what were your thoughts on the quarterbacks? Go ahead. My number one thought is it's a shame we couldn't see Kenny Pickett against mm -hmm. that number one defense uh, that was the Detroit Lions, if you could call them number one. But I would have loved to have seen 
him with a, uh, you know, I know we said last week that Kenny Pickett saw some action against ones, but I'm not sure that he had beginning of game action against ones. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. I thought the quarterbacks both played well. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to uh, get a free $5 from Sean Manahan and basically say what he said, because I thought Mitch played well. I thought Kenny played even better. Uh, Mike Tomlin is not ready to give up the starter. He says there's still time left to uh, go ahead and let us know what that is. I just think one of those two players is unequivocally the starter. All right, Dave, thoughts on the quarterbacks? Yeah, I, it's funny because people wanted to see Kenny out there sooner. I didn't. I wanted to see Mitch Trubisky run the two-minute offense and things like that, nat- uh, nature, because I think that's who we're going to be seeing two weeks from now. So rather than getting a, you know, a, a better idea of, of Kenny Pickett, if they knew their big indication was they were going to go with Trubisky, then it was important to get enough work from him in this game in order to in, in order to feel better about the offense or get a better read on it or everything else. So if if that's the overall plan and trajectory of things, I'm glad that's what they did. So in in all, I kind of kind of feel bad for Mason Rudolph because I mean he he got one first down on the pass interference penalty and it had another beautiful, his last throw. Some people might think it's his last throw as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers was a beautiful throw down the middle to a tight end that didn't come up with the catch. It was a really nice looking throw. Uh, so it's really hard. One, you know, one drive, three attempts. It's really hard to get any kind of, of evaluation of him. But uh, other than that, no interceptions for any of the quarterbacks in the preseason. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you, I did find it notable that uh, the Chris Adamski of the Tribune Review said on Twitter after the game that no reporter even tried to or got to talk with Mason Rudolph after the game. I'm sure he was mm-hmm. not very happy. But it is what it is. It's a business, and the Steelers are running their business the way that they want to. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to kind of disagree with what you all said. I thought until the two-minute drive, Mitch Trubisky looked like garbage. I thought that he was holding onto the ball too long. It all started poorly for me with Trubisky. Um, I, I just could not get out of my head when they ran that bootleg play action, how he doesn't throw the ball away. If mm-hmm. there's nothing there, just throw the ball away. They had gained four yards. I think it was four yards on with Najee Harris run up the middle. He gets sacked, loses two yards. It just throws everything off. I just was really perturbed by that play for some reason. And then people, even beat writers, were on Twitter blaming the offensive line. For what? It wasn't on them. And then the coverage sack on third down, and it just seemed to all go downhill from there. Trubisky seemed to, I think he seemed to be a little gun-shy at first. It was the two-minute drive that kind of got him loosened up. I would hope that the Steelers' offense, uh, I'm talking about Matt Canada and even Mike Tomlin, would maybe look at how Pickett and Trubisky both moved the ball extremely well throughout the preseason when they were in that up-tempo style offense and maybe say, you know, hey, this could help the offensive line, even if it's just to start a game, is to maybe come out with a little bit more tempo. They have two weeks. Maybe they're not showing it. I don't know. I was not impressed with Trubisky today. The two-minute drive was great. I'm glad he finished it well. Uh, Kenny Pickett was Kenny Pickett as advertised, in my opinion, in the second half. Uh, I thought he was trying to push the ball down the field a little bit more, which has been a knock on him. Had some nice throws, but there was really nothing that was overwhelming by any of these quarterbacks today, in my opinion. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about the offensive line in pass protection while we're on this topic. 
because that's always that's that's going to get brought up. So Trubisky was sacked two times, mentioned that. Quarterback hits for the Detroit defense. They were registered with four quarterback hits. Uh, Hutchinson had one. Isaiah Bugs had one. Uh, Charles Harris was credited with one. And Tracy Walker the third with one. Guys, what did you think about the offensive line? There were a ton of penalties. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, what stood out to you on the O-line? Brian, go ahead. Those penalties did stand out to me, and I, I feel like they were spread out. But if I would go ahead and say that something impressed me from the offensive line, it was the interior. I thought I saw a little bit better play with interior offensive line. I thought, I don't think center is a problem with Mason Cole. I know he's not. I, I know he's not Marquise Pouncey. He's not Dermani Dawson. He's not Mike Webster. But I'm fine with him in there. I thought Kevin Dotson won the job, and I really thought that uh, that James Daniels played better. I was a little disappointed with the tackles even more, and this is kind of a departure from where I have been in the past couple weeks. I've been more on the interior than I have been on the tackles, and now I feel a little more concerned about the tackles this week. Dave, did you see things the same way as Brian, or did you see them differently? I just can't get over how this offensive line looks completely different when they're running the two-minute offense. How can you go out there and and hold it down fairly well? Not perfect, but just look like night and day different in the two-minute offense from a blocking perspective. And that's obviously equates to the entire offense doing better. The last four touchdowns the Pittsburgh Steelers have scored in the preseason were all two-minute offense touchdowns since Trubisky, not Trubisky, since Kenny Pickett had that had the touchdown to Tyler Vaughns to end the Seattle game inside of two minutes. That's the only time they've scored touchdowns is two-minute drill. And it just looks so different from the offensive line. Um, like I said on Twitter, someone responded, I think they're right. Does this? Hopefully this means they might run more up-tempo this year because they seem like they're so much better at that. And I, I hopefully it'll translate, but I just don't know. I don't understand why when they're in their regular offensive set, it just looks so bad. And then when they're in the two minute, it looks like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. Well, I, I definitely agree with Brian. It was the tackles today that definitely struggled, but the interior was not as noticeable. I'll put it that way. I, I'm not watching the offensive line with a fine tooth comb. Uh, like some people are like, I know our own Kevin Smith is going to, he's going to be writing an article about the offensive line this uh, week. Think back to last week against Jacksonville. What did we see? James Daniels whiffing on plays. Kendra Green, same thing. Didn't necessarily see that from the interior. Uh, so maybe that's a step in the right direction. Running the ball. We'll get to the running backs in a second. Uh, but the, 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 the numbers might be skewed a little bit. Let's get this super chat up here from Justin. Justin, I think it's Gaw. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Four ninety nine in the tip chart. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. He said, I think it's clear Trubisky will be starting the season. Pickett looks like the real deal matter of time. I definitely agree with that sentiment uh, in terms of anyone that's been really paying attention would tell you that it's probably Trubisky week one. So let's talk about the running numbers because that's important to note with the offensive line. The Steelers ran the ball 20 times. For a total of 57 yards, 2.9 average. I'd love to know, and Dave, I don't know if you have this information. I'd love to know how many times they ran the ball in the first half. Uh, yeah, how many times they ran it in the first Just half? Just attempts in the first half. Seven. 
Yeah, that's the thing. They rushed the ball 20 times in the game, but only seven in the first seven half. Seven in the first half for 28 yards, four, four yard average. But seven they just, attempts. I just don't know what, well, how many times they throw it in the first half, Dave? Uh, Trubisky had, uh, well, he was the one who threw it in the, half, in the first half. So that's it was right. 19 attempts. So uh, 19 and that's passing seven. attempts. You also, you know, throw sacks into there as well as how many quote unquote passing plays. Right. So 21 passing plays to seven runs. Am I correct? Um, I'm pretty sure that's correct. I mean, that's a three um, to one ratio. That's incredible. Like the Steelers, I, I want more. I feel like the offensive line also needs to be a little bit more balanced. But uh, what are your thoughts on the on the run game, Brian? I didn't go through the actual numbers. Let me do that quickly before I throw it over to you. Benny Snell, five for 17. Gunner Olszewski, two for 13. Jalen Warren, seven for 11. Najee Harris, four for 10. And Anthony McFarland, two for six. Go ahead, Brian. Well, that doesn't look like very good numbers whatsoever, but I wasn't disappointed with what I saw of Najee. I wasn't disappointed with the holes that he was getting. I, you know, four for 10 seems a little deceiving. Now there were some plays called back. And of course, when they're called back, you know, they got an assist from that, uh, from that penalty, but I'm, I'm not really concerned about the run game as I thought I would be with this offensive line. I think when I'm talking about the offensive line, I'm more concerned about the passing game than with the run. Najee is fine. In fact, Mike Tomlin said, you know, I've seen enough of Najee. If I needed to see more of Najee, he would have been in there. And that's kind of pretty much how I feel about it. Dave, what do you think about the offensive line running the running game and in general? I mean, you just got to have better blocking. You've got to, there was some times early that I really was it the very first play? A uh, huge surge on the offensive line. You know, even the commentator saying he gets back to the line of scrimmage. Well, the offensive line moved the, the line of scrimmage three yards down the field, and then Najee fell forward for another one. And they started off with four yards. But you didn't see that at all. Even if they did get a surge, there's someone leaking through to hit him in the backfield. Things of that nature. It, it, it's got to be one whole co cohesive unit in order to have success because it only takes one guy to come in and screw up a play. So it, it's overall consistency with the line across, you know, from right to left is really what they need. And when it comes to the running backs, I actually have more confidence in these running backs this year, even behind Najee, than than what we had as uh, with to, to look at last year's fans. Yeah, I think it, with the offense, they are more, they are better suited. We'll put it that that way in terms of the depth of the running back position. When you think back last year, Anthony McFarland started on injured reserve, Benny Snell, and then Kalen Balage. Um, but you know what? It, you, they have to have the holes, and that's Steel Dog eighty eight gives us five dollars. We thank you for the tip. He said you can tell Najee was getting frustrated with the O line. I did see a video of Najee Harris in the locker room after the game, and he was probably more upset with himself. He was not happy with the way he played. He was glad he played as much as he did because he wanted to get the rust knocked off quick sidebar. He also said that the injury to his foot was not from being stepped on. He said he had a sprained Liz Frank and that's why he missed. So he said the report of wow. him getting his foot stepped on was false. It was a sprained Liz Frank and that's why he was taking him a little bit longer to work his way back. So Najee Harris was not upset with him. He was upset with himself. He thought he played horrible. He said he missed a read. He also missed a 
one of the, the one of the routes where he's supposed to read the defender appropriately and he didn't. So uh, yeah, maybe not too much. Thank you for the tip. This deal dog. We appreciate it. All right. The last aspect of the offense we need to get to is receiving the Steelers did throw for 250 yards on 25 attempts, 10 yard average. Obviously Pat Fryermuth leads the team three for 45 on four targets. Miles Boykin had himself a game, three catches on three targets for 41 yards. Deontay Johnson only hauls in one before leaving with a shoulder injury that Mike Tomlin says is not serious for 38 yards. It was a nice pass from Mitch Trubisky. George Pickens, three receptions for 35 yards on five targets. Tyler Vaughn's two for 24. Steven Sims, four for 23. Gunner O, two for 16. Najee, three for 11. And then a whole bunch of others there with less than 10 yards receiving. Brian, what did you think about the pass catchers in this game? I thought they were phenomenal, really. I There was nothing that I really thought was disappointing about them. I did not see any drops that were egregious. If I mean, I'm sure there was a drop here or there, but nothing that made me go, hmm. I, You know, when we start at the top, we start with Deontay Johnson. That was a beautiful throw, but an equally gorgeous catch. I, I thought... What he did on the sideline there was nice. I thought the effort from Boykin was very good as well. I, I felt very comfortable that, and it's also one of those things that he was playing in the first half of the game and he was making catches. So he was not a second half wonder. I really think that this could be a little renaissance for his career. If he gets an opportunity in Pittsburgh, he could be counted on to catch some balls and he's a better version of Darius Hayward Bay if he's there to be a special teams guy. Gunner O, I think, could be clutch. I don't know how much they're going to rely on him, but they have an opportunity to every single week get catches from seven or eight guys and have a not have that guy get 130, but have a lot of guys getting 45 and 50. And that makes for a pretty good balanced passing game dave what do you think about the pass catchers i mean i feel a lot like i do with the quarterbacks that they have more than what they can put on the field at one time uh, which is a great problem to have as coach Tomlin said in his press conference they they have they've come through strong and if you weren't one of those wide receivers that was really stepping up and making plays, then you got lost in the shuffle. You could like, there was, you know, somebody like a Cody white or a Tyler Sneed that really you didn't see much from that's not because they were necessarily doing a bad job. It's that the Steelers had so many other guys stepping up and, and trying to make a case uh, to be on the Steelers or another NFL team. I was really impressed with uh, Tyler Vaughn's has impressed me all, uh, all preseason. And I was really impressed with miles Boykin and what he was able to put on uh, tape during the game. I think that his special teams ability, like Brian said, is going to give him a really good shot at the 53 man roster. That's, this is going to be one of those positions. There's several really key to watch when they make cuts, how many do they keep and then who gets cut. So going to be really interesting. And that has to be done by Tuesday. So we will have all that for you here at behind the Now, before we leave the offense here, I want to ask you all a simple question. And that is, after Sunday's game against the Lions, did the offense take a step forward, a step backwards, or a lateral movement? Brian, what do you think? I actually thought that they took a step forward on offense. 
you know, it would be easy to say lateral and I, I could be wrong, but I was more comfortable with what I saw from the offense this week than in Jacksonville. All right, Dave, what about you? What do you think about that? Well, I think I, I'm going to say backwards. I mean, because I still have the Seattle game in my mind too, but they definitely are going backwards. I mean, think, think they, they scored that touchdown in the two minute drill. But other than that, they had three field goals, two of which were on three and outs. They were set up to score touchdowns and they settled yeah. for field goals. They made the fourth down stop for one. They got the interception for the other. If if you're, I mean, that that's six gifted points right there that should have been 14 points. So that's why, to me, it, it overall, I think it, it stepped back some. I was gonna, I, I'll finish out the three <laughs> with a lateral movement. I think okay. that, um, yeah, Brian said four days. I, I honestly, when I was thinking about this, I was like, I think it was just a lateral move. I, I don't think that they really made any leaping progress, or I don't think they took a huge step backwards in any regard either. It's just kind of that they're we're at the same point uh, where we were last after last week's game, which is which is a shame. Uh, we also can't forget that Chris Boswell missed that one field goal. So, well, uh, or it, it was blocked. It was blocked. <laughs> it still goes down as a miss, nonetheless. We'll talk yeah. about that. Okay, uh, let's go on to the defensive side of the football now. The Steelers only surrender nine points. The, the lone touchdown uh, was coming in the uh, that, that was in the fourth quarter when all the Steelers starters had been removed from the game. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about the rush defense first. That's what everyone was always concerned with, right? Uh, the Detroit Lions rushed 24 times for 114 yards. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, that looks horrible. Ju uh, Justin Jackson has eight carries for 44 yards. Craig Reynolds, six for 31. Jamar Jefferson, six for 28. David, let's give the people out there the breakdown because I think it's the right thing to do. How many rushing yards did Detroit have in the first half? Okay, in the first half. Hold on. I got to get back to it here. Oh, oh, I know off. it's either 47 or 48 before I even bring it up because I, I looked at 48. They had 48 rushing okay. yards in the first half. So to me, that's a number that's going to stand out for my article tomorrow that um, I, I felt they did fine. And, but they had that one draw play yeah. on, that, on the third down. Other than that, I thought they overall did a nice job, had plenty of the, had plenty of, Rushes that were for a no gain or a yard right around there, which is what you ultimately want to see. Yeah. Brian, I'll ask you what your thoughts were about the rush defense since that's what we're starting on defense. One of the things that really stuck out to me is when Miles Jack and Devin Bush combined on a very important, it was like a goal line play, but it wasn't at the goal line. It was that, uh, was it third and short? Fourth. It was a fourth Four, and one. It was fourth and, fourth and short. And, you know, Bush comes from behind and had his feet, but Miles stood him up. So there was, I had a buddy that texted me and said, well, that was more Miles than it was Bush. I'm like, no, that's, that that's half. If that's a sack, that's a half a sack. And it's even half a sack because they both did their job on that play. It was nice to see that, uh, that Bush got in the backfield. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of people, uh, you know, down on Bush. I thought that was a play that was very important for this team. I thought, you know, when Dave read those numbers, that's, you know, they had that big draw play and that was a big deal. But, but, and Tomlin brought that up. Tomlin's ticked off about that. And believe you me, that's going to be on the big screen in Pittsburgh a lot in that, uh, in that meeting room. So that's something they'll be working on, but the rush defense, I thought did their job today. And I don't sleep on a guy like Justin Jackson. We've seen what he can do 
when Austin Eckler was hurt in Los Angeles, he's a very good running back. And he has an opportunity to actually be that guy if De- something happens to DeAndre Swift. So I would I would say that they did a pretty good job. And if you're looking at the defense overall, which we're going to be, it really starts up front with a defensive line, and they did their deal. First time we saw Cam Hayward all preseason as he returned to the lineup after suffering an ankle injury prior to week two against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But ultimately, again, Dave said is 47 yards given up by the starters in the first half. And the majority of that yardage came on that one draw play. So uh, I think this is going to be good for the Steelers. Uh, I've talked about how I'm sure Tomlin's going to, and my, Brian just said it, he's going to replay that play over and over again, keep that in their minds so that they can continue to work on making teams one-dimensional. Speaking of making teams one-dimensional, let's talk about the pass defense. Uh, this Detroit Lions threw the ball 47 times for 201 yards, a 4.8 average. Um, Tim Boyle started the game on five for 15 for 64. Then Dave, David, is it Blau? I think. I don't it's know. Blau. Yes, Blau. Yeah, sure, whatever. 17 of 32 for 160. <laughs> he threw a touchdown. Uh, they were three. They were both combined sack three times for a total rating of 59.2. Uh, let's talk about the Steelers' pass defense. Pass defenses, boy, the, the defensive front was <laughs> all over it today. But Steelers, in terms of pass defenses, had 12 accredited pass defenses. That is incredible. Yes. Chris Wormley. DeMarvin yeah, four, four of them were, were batted yeah. down at the line. Lyndon Stevens, Terrell Edmonds, two by Cam Hayward, Cam Sutton, Buddy Johnson, uh, Carlins Playtel, uh, Derek Tushka, Elijah Riley, the newcomer, the safety, and Minka Fitzpatrick all had a pass defense. Just incredible. I mean, doing what they had to do. At least that's what ESPN showed, Dave. You, you oh, okay. He did. That means there was five knocked out at the line, probably. I missed his because uh, because he had he had one. Leal had one. Wormley had, had one, and Cam had two. Yeah. I missed yeah. Tushka's. I assume it was at the line. Steelers have six quarterback hits. Leal with two. Thought he had a great game in the time that he was out there. Khalil Davis had one. Delonte Scott had one. Carlos Davis had one. And Minka Fitzpatrick, who had a sack, also mm-hmm. had one. So let's let's talk about the pass defense. Um, just in general, I, I thought the Steelers, you know, did a good job in terms of the total yardage. But Brian, we'll start with you. What do you think about the pass defense? All right. First of all, you said whatever ever to David Blau. <laughs> I already forgot the first guy's name. You could say it, but but don't bother because I'm going to lose that name too. So that's the only thing that before I gush about how I thought they did a pretty good job, I'm going to just preface it with, you know, the best quarterback for the Detroit Lions might have been Mason Rudolph on that field. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew someone was to going to say it. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody's like, Kathy, even at the beginning of the show, first thing she said, hey, did Mason get on the bus to go back to Detroit? You know, I, I know that's the, the yeah. joke, and a lot of people are going to be talking about that. But, yeah, I, I love to see that pickoff. I immediately, I was thinking it was Norwood at first. Cause then my nephew's yelling at me. He's like, no, no, it's Sutton. And my dad's like, it's Sutton. I'm like, all right. I thought I saw a one. I mean, I, I did, but I thought they were swarming even at the end. You know, Riley was playing against, you know, box checkers at the end, but I thought Elijah Riley stood out. I mean, in that, in that fourth quarter. And I really, uh, I mean, 
they did some stops. I mean, that that one touchdown might have not been a touchdown if you don't have, you know, a roughing the passer and a face mask and just all that mess at the end. Not that it really matters, but I thought their performance, even Platel, I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with the way they were playing. 201 yards, not that bad. But once again, Blauen mystery guy. Yeah. Dave, what are your thoughts on the past defense? Yeah, it's not like they were getting they were having to 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 slow down Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, anyone like that. You know, it was Boyle and Blau. So you can you got to put some context to it. But then again, you have no control who's on the other side throwing the passes. All you can do is go out there and do your job. I thought they did a pretty nice job early on. Uh, if you look at it in just the first half, um, in the, just the first half, the, the Lions were 7 of 17 for 75 yards, 4.4. Um, 4. Is that a 4.4? No, that, that's got to – that can't be right. A four point, yeah, four point four average couldn't maybe per attempt. I don't know um, that you know, and the interception. So where where one quarterback had a sixty two point three rating and the other had a six point eight in the first half. So when it really mattered more, I felt that they were getting the job done. I just felt overall confident. Kind of bummed about the whole KZ thing, though. Yeah, right, and so. Um... Before I give my comments, let's just do an injury update. From what we know right now, uh, TJ Watt's knee, I already mentioned Deontay Johnson's shoulder. Both were deemed not serious. They were both on the sideline in street clothes. I don't think that's anything to be concerned about. DeMonte KZ's wrist, we assume it's a wrist. It's pretty obvious when you watch the replay. It was in an air cast right away. That's probably broken, so who knows how long he'll be out and be able to return this is where, you know, that Elijah Riley signing, if he actually turns out to be a player and someone that can contribute, Trey Norwood's going to be asked to, to step up. But Mike Tomlin did say that Casey's injury is more serious than the other two. So we'll keep an eye out on that. That could be uh, interesting to see how that plays out when cutdown day comes. But still, uh, I'm going to say this, you know, we always talk about caveats in the preseason. People will say, well, you know, Kenny Pickett against Seattle was with the third strings, whatever. And I say the same thing I'm going to say right now with the Steelers pass defense. And that is Kenny Pickett could not control who the Seattle Seahawks played and when they played. They, they rested Jared Goff the entire preseason, so they threw out two no-name scrubs. And the Steelers defense, at least pass defense, did exactly what they should have done. They kept them off the scoreboard. They took the ball away. They pressured the quarterback. They got the ball on the ground. I'm not going to, they're not going to apologize for that. They're just going out and playing the game. So does that give us a really good indication of where they are? No, but in terms of this performance, I think they did what they were supposed to do, which is good to see. Um, okay. Let's talk about penalties because this was something yeah. I really wanted to bring up before we get to special teams. I wanted to bring up penalties because the penalties were just unbelievable. The Steelers, both teams combined for 21 accepted penalties, by the way. Steelers flagged 11 times for 95 yards. The Lions, 10 for 89. Was it just me or were these officials flagging almost everything? And then sometimes nothing at all. Brian, what were your thoughts? It's almost like it was their preseason as well. And in some yeah. ways, it really is. I, you know, I, I thought some of those calls, I'm like, Wow. I mean, now that there was that one play that who was it that got the pass interference play? And I looked at my nephew and said, yeah, it's a good thing he got that P.I. 
um, he basically tackled a, a Lions a receiver. Pierre. It was Pierre. Oh. Thank you. And I'm like, that's a great penalty. That's a heads up, smart, bell yourself out. Take the, take the penalty where it is because that's six points. <laughs> he, I thought that was awareness. I'm actually going to give him a gold star for being smart enough to realize that he got beaten on that play. Besides that, in the, the one face mask towards the end, yeah, I get that. But the stuff on the the stuff that conf- concerns me the most about the Steelers is the early penalties on the offensive line. Yeah, that was tough, Dave. What do you think about the penalties? Yeah, when you stack those ones, you move the ball into the red zone, then the penalty takes you out of the red zone, then you move it back into the red zone to get moved out of moved out again due to another holding penalty, and then you get a false start and you end up kicking a long field goal. That's one of those things that I don't put on the quarterback, you know, yeah. the, uh, was why. But but the penalties, it was just – you could – it almost felt like – I didn't watch any other preseason games in week three. I will be completely honest. I watched not one second of anything. So I don't know if there's more penalties in other games or not. But it's almost like they had let things go so much for the first two weeks. They thought, oh, well, maybe we better start calling some penalties um, or else these these guys in a couple weeks are going to think they can get away with stuff because that's what it almost felt like, that they went out of their way to make sure they were going to call everything and they didn't care. There were a couple times where I, I was watching the play. I normally have a pretty good feel for, well, it looked like that guy jumped off sides, meaning the, the Lions on defense. They got him, free play. And then they've... Steelers get called for a hold and I'm thinking, well, Dan Moore's probably feeling like he's jumping it too. And he's holding him. It's, it was just really strange. And it just felt like every play, there was no ebb and flow to the game because of the penalties. It was just consistent 21 accepted penalties. That's just accepted penalties. Folks. If you're listening to this and thinking, Oh, wow, they threw 21 flags. No, they threw more than that. Any decline yeah. penalty doesn't count. Doesn't at least, at least two. Well, I mean, when you throw two on one play, one of them has to be declined. Exactly. Both against the same team. And I know one on Kendrick Green got declined because it brought up a fourth down. So there's at least two more on the Steelers. Yeah. A lot of uh, team stats here. Possession time was almost identical. Uh, the Lions had 30 minutes and eight seconds. The Steelers, 29 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, you look at third down efficiency, both teams were just dreadful the lions were four for 17 the steelers were four for 13 uh that's not going to cut it and then you get down to the red zone both teams had only only one conversion the steelers were one for four the lions were one for three uh brian before we head over to the special team side of things any thoughts on those team stats yeah the team stats you know it was enough for the steelers to get the job done really if you look at the entire game for the steelers on the offensive side of the ball, if they were a, I mean, Dave made a comment after I said that the offense was going in a better direction. Then I stopped and thought, and I'm like, Hmm, you're right. That's a lot of field goals. Do you realize what kind of blowout that this could have been with that Mm -hmm. defensive effort and with the offensive effort? I mean, the offensive, the offense shot themselves in the foot with the penalties. They also with the ineptitude of not being able to get the stuff done. I can't go back and change my answer to go ahead and be the push with Dave, with Jeff, but you know, that's over. I already made my error and it's my preseason. So I can do that, (laughs) but I'm just going to say that, you know, I thought the Steelers, like I said, they were decent. They could have done more. 
but they held themselves back from doing more. This could have been a game that we should be glowing over, and we're not. True. Dave, what were your thoughts on the uh, team stats there? Well, to kind of go along with what Brian was saying, um, the last time the Steelers had played in a game, granted it was a different team um, because of the draft and free agency and all that, they went out and held one of the best offenses scoreless for five straight drives, but the offense didn't make them pay. And the Steelers only had a 7 nothing to lead because of the, a defensive touchdown. So this is something that you don't want to see happening again. This is this was very reminiscent of week three of 2019 when the Steelers kept getting the ball and for the defense kept making stops and forcing turnovers and the Steelers were moving and the offense was moving nothing and kicking a field goal. That's the thing that was was discouraging about the the offense and it just and then they turn around and run the two minute drill and, and they just run it to perfection. So I I really don't know what to make of it. Back to the team stats you were saying. One thing that is important to say, I don't know if it's that important, um, that the Steelers were one for one in goal to go situations. So when they got inside the 10, they finished off the drive. Um, The Lions were one of two when they were in goal to go situations. So good job for the defense stopping them once. And the other time they finally scored, they, uh, what would they have? Seven cracks at it or something like that. Um, inside the 10. Yeah, it it was crazy. So while there's things that it's a great game to look at, because once again, it goes almost back to 2020 when the Steelers weren't playing all that great, but they were winning along the way. That's what this preseason feels like. The Steelers weren't playing all that great or very complete, but they, but they managed to do enough to pull out a win, but they know what they did wasn't good enough in spots. There were times where the offense looked good. There was times when it didn't. There's parts of the offense that good and parts that don't. Same with the defense. I think the, the first team defense looked very good out there, and then they give up the, the, the long third down run, something like that. So that's what you're supposed to do in the preseason is learn these things in order to try to correct these things. They're still not going to have it anywhere close to perfect in two weeks from now. You're, this team isn't going to really figure out who they are until – probably at least halfway through the season. And that's how most NFL teams are. But it's nice to get the wins. Just got to make sure you're identifying these things that you're not doing very well because there's plenty of that to go around. Absolutely. Let's go to the special team side of things. The Steelers in terms of returns, uh, not too much to talk about. The kick returns, Anthony McFarland had one for 23. Punt returns, both Gunnar Olszewski and Steven Sims both had one. Olszewski returned his 12 yards. Steven Sims lost four. I don't blame him for trying to return it. You're trying to make a play. Uh, kicking the ball, Chris Boswell was four for five. We mentioned the 29-yard miss or block. He had a long of 54 that, my gosh, it looked like it would have been, been, been good 64. from 64. <laughs> was, if, if he's done anything this offseason, it looks like he's gotten a lot stronger leg. We saw it last week in uh, Jacksonville as well. Big press. Presley Harvin had four punts for 190, a 47.5 average. He had two inside the 10 and a long of 56. Anything of note for you, Brian, on the special teams? A 12-yard 12, a 12 punt return is pretty darn good because the average for probably your best punt returners, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is usually around 15 for some of the best. So I'll take a 12-yard return. I agree with you on Steven Sims. Big press, that's a big deal. I really think that uh, he's made a big leap 
I'll take a 47 average each and every time. And Boswell's Boswell. I'm not, if I have to complain about a blocked field goal, it's not wide right. It's not wide left. That's, that's a protection problem. That could be a snapping problem. I didn't see any problem with the hold, but that's not a Boswell problem. Right. So I, I think, I think the uh, special teams are ready to go. They didn't give when I look at special teams the most, though, I look at what they give up on the other side of the ball. You know, um, not perfect, but nothing that I'm way too concerned about. Okay, Dave, thoughts on special teams? I think the special teams are a really good spot. You, I even think you could tell. Boswell was specifically trying to kick the ball inside the five to, to let some guys – show what they could do on on the kickoff on the kickoff team things of that nature oh, yeah. if they ultimately wanted him to he could boot it through the end zone if they don't yeah. want to have a team even bother return it but that was the pre- preseason's a great time to go out and work on that so they say hey see if, see what you can do see if you can get a little bit higher you know pin him in there a little tight you know something like that um sorry couldn't help it uh but what i really think is encouraging is Big presses punting and the consistency of it. What I want to see from him is no punt distances that start with a three, or I don't even even want to say or less, unless that punt is going inside the 20-yard line. Yeah. That's when you can have a shorter punt. But other than that, I I feel like he's he did that pretty good hang time. There was one of them I was surprised the guy fair caught. I didn't I thought he might have had a chance to get a few yards. But uh, yeah. other than that, I, I thought the punting um he doesn't have to go out there and be all world. Just go out there and be consistent, do a good job. And I, I think he's done that for the first two games of the season. I want to retrace our steps quickly. I forgot to ask you all the question about step forward, step backward, or lateral oh. movement with the defense. Brian, what were oh. your thoughts? Step forward. Okay. What about you, Dave? For the defense, oh, it, it's got to be, it's got to be step forward. If you, especially if you're looking at the first unit, it was really the first time you saw most of them out there together. Um, if you have to look at it as a whole game, as the game as a whole, stuff going on at the end wasn't always completely encouraging. But yeah, ba- based on who I really wanted to see do better, it was a step forward. Okay, so now we have this. We have two weeks basically until the Steelers' first game. And, and here at Behind the Steel Curtain, both on the website at behindthesteelcurtain.com and here on the podcast side, we are going to be breaking down the upcoming game with the Bengals. We're going to be talking about the roster cuts. We're going to have everything for you. But I want to ask you all a question here before we end the show. And it's about the quarterbacks. And I want to ask you we, we know that Mitch Trubisky's probably, I mean, I would be absolutely floored if they name anyone other than Mitch Trubisky the starter. We'll put it that yeah. way. What do you think the leash is for Trubisky after the preseason since it's officially over? Long? He's going to be given a lot of time to be able to prove himself? Or is it going to be short with someone like Kenny Pickett or even a Mason Rudolph if he has the experienced veteran? Brian, what are your thoughts with the preseason now behind us in terms of the leash of Trubisky moving into the regular season? I think it's wins and losses. And if this team, he's fine to go one and two. If he starts going one and three, then look over your shoulder. If he starts off four and three, five and three, then he's okay for the season. I uh, then they're probably not going to pull the 
make the uh, the change. If there's a five-game losing streak in there somewhere in the season, yeah, a th- even a three-game losing streak, you start to look. But if he's decent, I don't think it's going to be a numbers game as much as it's going to be a standings game. Hmm. Very interesting take. What about you, Dave? I don't know that it's going to be a numbers game in some things, but there are some obvious numbers that will stand out. I don't know that it's going to be as much about the wins and losses. Um, it depends on how those wins and losses come about because the Steelers could, oh, they could come out and they could start three and oh, but it's because they haven't surrendered more than 10 points in a game. You know, it's going to come down to is he taking care of the ball, not turning it over? Is he making the 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 right plays and the right decisions and things of that nature. It doesn't mean that he has to go out there and throw for 300 and some yards. He doesn't have to. He has to be efficient with running the offense, take care of the football, and in other words, not kill us. <laughs> as long as he's doing that, yeah. he's going to stay there. Because you know what? That's exactly what you would be asking for Kenny Pickett if it would be him. Well, bringing up Kenny Pickett, I want to ask a follow-up to that for both of you, and that is – with Pickett, do you, is there any part of you that hesitates playing him? I don't know. We'll even say in the first half of this regular season, barring injury, obviously barring injury. Mitch is Mitch is healthy. He's fine. Is there any part of you that says, I don't know if I want to see him playing for whatever reason? Brian, what do you think? I absolutely would love to see Kenny Pickett play, but not in 2022 because I want Mitch to get off to a great start. And if Kenny Pickett's there, barring injury, like you say, then it means that Mitch Trubisky is a sucking. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Dave, what do you think about that? Is there any part of you that hesitates with KP8? No. I just would not bring him in before week four. I don't think that would be a good situation because week three is the short week. Right. Um, so, and and I think that would be too short of way too short of a leash for Trubisky at that point to not even give him. I mean, you would have to because I don't think they do it week three. You would have had to bring him in week two, and I don't think Trubisky gets one game before they roll to that. It just doesn't seem right. I um, I have no problem. I have no problem if they even say Kenny Pickett's the starter. I really don't because, as I said before, there are certain things that we can't measure that maybe it's it's a concern for Kenny Pickett, and maybe it's a glaring strength. Maybe Kenny Pickett dissects a complex defense better than any of the other guys that the Steelers have had, and they kind of can't believe that he does it so much. If You just don't know everything to it. It's not just what we see on the field. It's the preparation for it and all that. What we've seen on the field gives me no reason to worry about if the Steelers have to have to bring him in. But at the same time, I'm still of the camp that if these are your three quarterbacks, I don't want Kenny Pickett's first snaps coming because someone gets injured in game. Somebody doesn't somebody could be your next starter up and not have to be the guy that's the next guy off the bench during a game. I still say it's possible that they could do it that way. I'm not saying they have to. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm fine if they do. If they say, we don't want Kenny Pickett coming off the bench. We want him to come in, and if it's not going to be Trubisky starting, it'll be Pickett starting. But if someone's got to come off the bench, it's not going to be Kenny either. I'm, I'm, That's fine, and that's not crazy, and some people think that it is. So 
but I, I really have no reservations with what they do with with Pickett. I don't. I'm good if he takes the first snap week one. I'm good if he doesn't take a single snap all season. I'm good if he's in street clothes. I'm good if he's the guy, you know, in uniform, ready to step on in any second in case someone gets banged up. I am a okay across the board. All right, last question for me, Brian. Brian, finish the sentence. In one week, Mason Rudolph will. Be disgruntled. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. So you still think he's employed by the Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I I actually think that I, is it the smartest thing to uh go ahead and get rid of a, a quality player like Mason Rudolph? Because he is a quality player. No, it's not. I mean, it's always good to keep those best players in there. But really, do you want to keep a guy languishing if you can get the right deal for the guy because you're going to lose lose him? You don't think about, hey, who's going to pay him what next year? Maybe the Steelers can get a good comp pick. Don't even, I mean, because he might not, he might go and the deal might not be enough for a comp pick whatsoever. So for me, I'm thinking that you don't live in your fears. You don't just keep that guy keep that guy in the closet on the shelf wherever you need to keep him when you might be able to get something out of him because you never have draft capital. Dave, same sentence in one week, Mason Rudolph will be how do I say it? Um I had it and then I lost it. Oh, I had it. Mason Mason Rudolph will be um, stepping out of the forefront. He'll he's, he'll just be b- behind the scenes. I, I'm i saying the Steelers have to get a lot for him, and I just don't know that it's going to happen. I'm fine if they do, but also I laid it out with you guys on the preview. A quarter of the NFL last year needed three quarterbacks. Three teams missed the playoffs because they didn't have – couldn't get wins out of their their other guys. It's just one of those those things. If you have the chance to have that luxury, if you're not going to get anything significant, you keep that luxury unless you're dealing with a volunteers not hostages situation. And they know how Mason Rob Brian says disgruntled. We don't know if he's disgruntled. I still think it's it would be a fair thing to say, you know, Mason, you're our backup. Don't know who's going you're going to be the backup. Is it's going to be Mitch starting? If Mitch can't start, Kenny's going to start. But no matter what, you're going to be the backup. And if there's an opportunity to go in 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 game, it's going to be you. And there's no rule that says, oh, but your third quarterback has to run the scout team. And they can do whatever they want with it. I mean, just because that's how things are typically done, they can they can handle it however they feel like it. So I'm I'm not saying goodbye, but I also don't don't if I never thought I was going to say goodbye to Josh Dobbs either. True. Point the first point. time. <laughs> good point. Yes. Very yeah. good. All right. Uh, Brian, why don't you do us some final thoughts? What are your thoughts on this 19 to nine win in preseason week three? You know, I said it on the preview the other day that preseason wins and losses do not matter. It's because the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens celebrate this preseason record that you get that and four ninety five, you're getting a cup of Starbucks and that's it. So Baltimore, if that's what you want to hang your hats on, that's fine with me. What I saw today was like the title of the show, 
it was a decent performance. It could have been a whole lot better. It was not dominant, but it had the makings to be dominant. Mm -hmm. They've got two weeks, and we're not used to them having two weeks to get ready for the regular season. Now, every other team has two weeks to get ready. But one thing that Mike Tomlin and his staff usually do, they're very smart about getting ready. They're not rushed. They could be deliberate with these decisions. We're going to have decisions made. We're going to know some things on cutdown day, which is Tuesday. That's coming up. And even after that, they still have a lot of time. They still have, what, 12 days until the next time they play. So this team has an opportunity to get together, not like they did in the past. I like the makings. I like the skeleton of this team. I like the guts of this team. I really love the defense. I really think I love the offense. I love the skill positions on the offense. And there's some things that need to be tweaked. There's some things that could bring the whole thing down if they go wrong, i.e. the offensive line. Sure, the inside linebackers, but I think the inside linebackers are a little bit protected. All I will say for this point and where I'm at in at this point, let's get it on. I feel I feel fine. I don't feel tentative. There's been preseasons in the past where they've gone three and one in the preseason, but I felt, uh, and that was even with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. This is a situation where they've got a lot of luxuries. They have good problems with some of the decisions they have to make at wide receiver, even in the defensive backfield. They have good decisions on the defensive line. They've got good decisions at quarterback that they can't really go wrong. And if they go wrong, they have the horses behind them. They have the guys in the cupboard to go ahead and fill it in. So be happy about this. Don't really hang your head after a 3-0 preseason because even though those wins and losses don't mean much, the performance got them those wins, and I'm taking them. All right, Dave, final thoughts? Last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers had two weeks before their first game because this is the second year of them doing this preseason. Even though they had four games, it was they had one earlier. And I really liked what I saw when they had that extra week going into week one. I don't know about anyone else. I felt that was their best performance of the season. Maybe outside of rallying for the for a, the final game at Heinz Field. I, I felt that they came out with a great plan and with great execution. And you saw some things in week one last year that you didn't see as consistently as the year went on. Now, some of that's injury. You know, TJ Watt got dinged up early on. Things of that nature. But I like... Coach Tomlin having that time and going up against a quality opponent. Because I think if if there's a time to get someone, let have the Steelers with that extra preparation. Maybe I'm completely off base here, but I thought the Buffalo Bills were a really good team last year, and I think they're well coached. And I think that the Steelers, part of the reason they won that game is they outcoached them. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to see what this team is going to do in two weeks and how. There might be things that we were concerned about now that next thing you know, it's it's not what we thought when it comes week one. They've just got to get in there and get it done and get it together and get this train rolling. And I just can't wait to see it. Steelers finished the preseason 3-0, and not that it matters. And uh, they have plenty of questions still on this team heading into the regular season. So we'll see how those all shape up. The first, the next big event will be 
trimming the roster from 80 players down to 53. We will have all that news for you here behind the steel curtain and on our network of podcasts, as well as on the website behind the steel curtain.com. So make sure you check that out. If you just found us, you can get all of a lot more content than what you see live on YouTube and Facebook by going to our audio platforms, wherever you get your podcast, just search Steelers or behind the steel curtain. You'll find us subscribe, follow whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing like Brian's bad language, Dave Steeler, stat geek, my let's ride podcast, all of them audio only. So make sure you check those out wherever you get your podcast. All right, gentlemen, that's a wrap on the preseason. Next time we have one of these, we'll be following the week one game in Cincinnati. Should be exciting. Next time.